Hey, Cask Chasers, we'll start the show in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hey, everybody, Joshua Hatton with Impex Beverages again. And and I brought my wife back with me once again. Mostly I can't get rid of her. But to be quite honest, I wouldn't want to because I love her dearly. Oh, thanks, Beb. Yeah, we make a team. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of teams, can you pass me that bottle of Port Escape, please? Uh, this one? Yep, that one right there. Thank you. This has been my treat. This is the Port Askeg 110 proof. Okay. And this is just like summer in a glass. It's peaty, but it's delicate peat, right? I know you. You, I, I mentioned peat, and I looked at your face. Nope. What did your face do? Could you describe to the listeners? It made a no thank you kind of a face. Okay. But here's what I want to tell you. The thing with Port Askeg is their peaty, smoky, single malt scotch whiskeys are almost like an introduction to Pete. It's this elegant approach to Pete that's balanced out by sweet citrus notes, some floral notes, and this vibrancy that just, you know that spring fever that you get right around this time of year? Yeah. It's that in a glass. Huh. So for whiskey lovers, that's pretty cool. Fantastic. Can I pour you a glass? No, please don't. Can I pour me a glass? Yeah. Okay. Uh, good afternoon, everybody uh, from the island of Isla. I'm having a, a dram, I'm enjoying a good dram, and I'm having a, a tremendous um, conversation with the guys from the Cast Chasers. Hey, Cast Chasers. We have got quite a treat for you in today's episode because the guys sat down with the one and only legendary Jim McEwen. We're so excited to share this with you guys. It's honestly one of the most heartfelt conversations I've ever heard. So pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. Cast Chasers, we've got a great special episode for you here today. Um, we have a couple people here with us that we're super excited about. One person that we're more excited about than others, I'm not going to lie. The me? other two. Is that me, Aaron? It's not you. Ah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so today um, we are blown away and excited to have with us um, Udo Sontag from uh, the Jim McEwen biography. Hey, Udo, how are you? Hello, um, I'm very fine. Thank you. I hope you too. Um, and Greg Schwartz, the director of the Water of Life film. Hey, Greg. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, Greg is actually the one that made this introduction to us. So we got at least, uh, you know, keep him on the call to, to thank him for that. Um, and uh, the last person we have with us here today, a person who I feel needs no introduction. And if I did introduce everything that he's done, uh, that'd be an entire episode. So, uh, with us here today is also all the way from Isla in Scotland, Mr. Jim McEwen. Jim, thank you for joining us, sir. It's a pleasure, sir. It's a pleasure. Jim, I, I think, you know, like I said before, before we uh, started recording, I'm totally appreciative of you coming on here. The cast chasers, one of the things that you know, makes us what we are is we like to take new whiskey people and put them in the same room, you know, metaphorically with people who are in the know, 
people like yourself, people who have taken whiskey and made it an art, made it something beautiful, made it more than just something sitting on dad's shelf, made it something important. And that's kind of the room we've created and kind of the vibe we've created. And I think it's I think it's safe to say you with Scotch whiskey specifically, we're kind of at the helm of the new movement. I mean, Brooklady at the in the nineties was kind of shifting down, right? And then you come in uh, in the early two thousands and just I guess is re- resurrect the right word? No, I was my calling to Brooklady was um very emotional. <laughs> When I was at Bowmore, uh, I was managing there. I, as you know, I started when I was 15 years old, became a cooper, which was my lifetime's ambition was to make barrels. You know, one of the oldest crafts in the world is a cooper. The first cask was created by Egyptians. That just shows you how old it is. Yeah. So I, I served my apprenticeship as a cooper and um, I thought that was it. I've, that's me. I'm happy for the rest of my life. But um, I then took over the warehouses up a more looking after the casks and all that sort of stuff. And it was really, really good. And, you know, I got transferred. I took a transfer to Glasgow uh, and I trained for three years as a blender. So every day for three years, my nose was inside a glass. Truckloads of whiskey would come in from Speyside, would come in from Isla, would come in from Highlands and so on. And one of my jobs was nosing all these cars coming in and then grading in first class, second class or third class. Quite a strenuous job when you're nosing whiskey all day, you know. So I trained as a blender, which I really loved, uh, working for at Beaumont in Glasgow. And um, I got the call uh, to go back to take over Beaumont Distillery, which was, for me, born and raised in Beaumont. It was like winning the World Cup. And I scored a hat trick, you know what I mean? It was like so good. So I went back to the war and um, I was totally blown away by the just, you know, considering I started there at the age of 15 to be running that distillery was good. And I was lucky uh, when I arrived because shortly after my arrival, Suntory came in, the Japanese giant. And uh, Bomo Distillery was in a really bad shape. Uh, a lot of the buildings were needing a lot of repairs. And it wasn't in good, in good shape at all. But anyway, Suntory came in. And I remember going around the distillery with a couple of their accountants. And the guy said to me, Jim, you must tell us everything you need to make this distillery the number one on Isla. Everything in Japan is number one, as you know. <laughs> make it the number one. So I uh, took them through every department in the ward. I showed them the holes in the roof. I showed them what was falling apart and all that stuff. And they wrote it all down. And I'm putting it on quite heavy hoping that maybe get 50% of what I asked for, you know what I mean? But everything I asked for, they gave us. Totally almost rebuilt the distillery, which was fantastic. Wow. Really, really good. Um, and it meant further employment for the people of the village. You know, Isla depends very much upon employment at the distilleries. So it was really good. We ramped up the production, employed more people. And for more, you know, it was just fantastic because it's a great whiskey good warehouses a good team try to build a family ethos you're not an employee you're a member of a family that was always the way i looked at people you're part of my family and i'm part of your family so that was my management style so that was really really a great thing i went to japan many many times had some great experiences there um very emotional experiences there i had some 
absolute disasters working with translators. Can you imagine with a Scottish accent (laughs) speaking through a Japanese interpreter? And uh, it was really, really quite funny. I remember Centauri of their own business school. And it's like a a huge theatre. There's deck upon deck upon deck. And they pulled in because I bought this whiskey distillery in Scotland. They brought everybody in from all over Japan. So I'm looking at rows and rows and rows of people, you know, and they're all writing down notes. They've all got headphones in. And you're getting filmed straight on both sides. It's going up on a big screen so they can all see it. And I'm thinking, Jim McEwen, where the hell did you go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what went wrong for you? What are you doing standing here? You know, she's out there pushing ball. So that was a great experience, uh, traveling around the world into countries I'd never really experienced single malt, far less heavy peated malt. I mean, I've sat, I've stood in front of 60 people and I'm watching them and they're tasting this liquid, which is totally alien to them, peat smoke. There's something wrong with this, Jim. There's something wrong with whiskey. No, I said, There's something wrong with you. This is fine, it's you. You're the problem. You have just tried this years ago. So, it's been a brilliant, brilliant uh, career. And to manage Bullmore Distillery uh, was probably my World Cup final. I never thought I'd see the day because when I started at more at 15 years of age, I had no idea. So, it was really, really uh, a great. I've had a great life, you know. It's been a long, long time. It's been 57 years. This will be 58 years this year making whiskey. You've, you've, so probably, you've probably been in the industry longer than most people. I mean, from the from the very beginning. I mean, that's a long time. And then, time yeah. And there was all the, there was these moments because as, as fans and as a part of the whiskey community, you know, is Jim retiring <laughs> And then 20 years later, oh, I guess now Jim will retire. And then 10 years later, maybe now Jim's retiring. Thankfully, you didn't because so much cool stuff came from you traveling the world and, you know, specifically in Isla, but Japan, Australia. We've gotten a lot of cool stuff because you've put your hand on it and because you were a part of it. People just trust you and you can can get that. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it was a great opportunity for me to promote Isla. Because um, if you cut me open, like a stick of rock, you'll find Isla right through me. It's not just about the flatty, it's for Freud, I could ruin my bag of a lot. And uh, for a population of about 3,800, uh, I'm very, very proud to be an Elach, as it's called. I had some amazing experiences on the road. I've met some incredibly talented people. I've, had, I've been moved to tears on many occasions, just because it's so emotional, you know, it's, it really is emotional when you're out there and you've got all these people and, and I've had some tremendously funny moments when you're doing whiskey tasting, you know, somebody's going to fall off the table. Uh, that's for sure. I always do a Highland toast at the end of my tastings, you know, and I remember I can't mention names because I've got to keep living, you know, somebody will shoot me. I remember uh, at Memorial we hired... <clears throat> Uh, but more responsing that the horse trials um, uh, up in Perth, and uh, we had a huge dinner afterwards. We were the sponsors of this huge event, and we're all seated at round tables. You understand? And uh, <clears throat> my chairman said to me, Jim, he said, uh, "Could you do the Highland toast for all these lovely people?" Uh, I said, "Sure, the Highland toast is great. Put one foot in the chair, one foot in the table." 
and you stand up with a glass full of whiskey and then you call out in the Gaelic language, I teach you how to do it. And you, you raise the glass up, raise the glass down. And by that time, they've all had about, I don't know, a good half bottle of whiskey inside them. <laughs> and um, standing beside me was one of our senior directors, or sitting beside me. And I'm thinking, shit, if he tries to stand up, he's going to fall down. <laughs> and he's the head man. He's the boss, you know. So anyway, I said, I'll try and hold on to it. And uh, so <clears throat> he said to me, Jim, could you do the Highland Toast? I said, I don't think it's a wise thing, sir. He said, Jim, it's my company. I want you to do the Highland Toast. I said, fair enough. So I explained to everybody to put one foot in the chair, one foot in the table, have a full glass of whiskey, and then you call out this toast in the Gaelic language like a warrior. And um, so my senior man, who was on two down from me, he got up on the table and I'm saying, shit, this could be dangerous. This is the top table. <laughs> so he gets up and he must have had about a good half bottle inside him by that time. And we're doing the toast. <clears throat> and suddenly, he, he, he tilts to the right-hand side. He bumps into a woman beside him who hits the man beside her. So a dozen people right around that this wave is getting bigger, people falling over. And suddenly you've got... A domino my, effect. My senior man <clears throat> is lying on the carpet. Everybody else is at the table, but he's lying on the carpet. And I'm thinking... Oh my God, this is amazing. This yeah. is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So you had some amazing moments like that. Uh, it's been really good. Uh, a lot of emotional moments because you fall in love with people as you're in the world. You meet people who are super kind to you. I remember uh, I was going out to Japan quite often to teach the sales teams out there. And the guy who accompanied me was a gentleman called Ken Sato, who was revered by Centauri. He was the king of single malt in Japan, a wonderful, wonderful man. And <clears throat> very, very clever. Him and his wife came to stay with Barbara and I, and we couldn't speak Japanese and they couldn't speak Scottish. But what he had done is, believe it or not, for months before it, he was cutting out uh, funny comic strips from newspapers and books. So we're sitting, <coughs> or magazines, and we'd be sitting there and then he would hand me this, piece of paper and it was a little joke you know man climbing up the ladder falls down and I would laugh you know it was really really funny so that's how we communicated so this was the top man in Centauri revered and him and I became great great friends and um, on my last visit to Japan I knew it was going to be quite emotional because I loved working in Japan I loved the Centauri team and Ken Sato was his name. He was a great, great, the best blender ever. And um, so he accompanied me in my tour of Japan. Everywhere I went, he came with me. He was my guide and mentor. And he was treated like a god. I mean, people were bowing so low. It was amazing. Uh, and, uh, and my final evening, we had a dram together. And I said, well, Ken... This is goodbye. I don't think I'll be seeing you again because he was going to retire. So it was quite emotional for me to say goodbye to this man who had been so kind to me on my various visits, so talented. And um, so we said goodbye and there was a tear in my eye. I have to admit, <clears throat> I was quite emotional. No, I won't see him again. Anyway, I had to, this is, I think it was in Osaka and I was heading back up to Tokyo. 
and my bullet train was leaving at 6 a.m. in the morning. And uh, so I'm going <clears throat> down the escalator to the platform where I'm getting my train. And as I go down the escalator, who is standing outside my carriage door in the train? He knows my seat number because he bought the ticket. And they are standing beside that door. Our entrance into the train was the great Ken Sato. Wow. Santori's, or the greatest whiskey guy ever in Japan. And he had dressed in traditional Japanese clothing. And his wife was with him, <coughs> with him. And she was dressed immaculately as well. And I'm like, shit, I can't handle this. I'm going to break down here. This is too much, too much emotion. Uh, I just can't do it. Anyway, I went down and I said, hey, buddy, you shouldn't have done this. He said, Jim, my honour. And uh, his wife had made all sorts of food for me for the train. And so he came on and took me to my seat. His wife laid out all the food for me. And I'm just about breaking. I just can't keep it up, you know. And, uh, and then he goes outside and he stands outside the, my window. So he's on one side in platform and I'm in the train. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, shit. And as the train pulled out, he bowed and his wife bowed. And I cried all the way to Tokyo. Wow. Who wouldn't? We're saying goodbye. We're saying goodbye to a man I would never see again. And I knew that because he was retiring. And it was such an emotional moment. And all the way, I, I, honestly, I must have tried all the way to Tokyo. That's what it does. When you're traveling around the world, you're making friends, you, you fall in love with the people. So there was great emotional moments like that. That was probably a standout, you know. And I never ever saw the man again. But it's just the fact that he had, he was living outside the city. He'd come in his traditional clothes. All the food was there for me. Um, so there've been some very emotional uh, moments in my career, and that was probably one of the most emotional. Uh, it was just great. Loved it, Jim. So that's been a, that's how we feel. Sorry. Not to be not to make this super sappy. But honestly, that's how we feel about you. I mean, you're 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 retiring. You're you're moving on to you know spending more time with your family, which is amazing. And and Godspeed. But there's a whole organization of people out there that that we're gonna miss you emotionally. We're gonna miss you and what you brought to us and what you've given to us. I'm gonna get choked up just talking about it. Um, yeah. it's going to make me hoard the bottles with your name on it a little more. And, you know, I want to pour them I'll a little less. <laughs> He's like, I'll <laughs> drink them. Well, that's what we're doing right uh, now. I, we have the 11 year there, the, uh, yeah, but, which so is beautiful. It's been, uh, it's been fantastic. Some amazing moments. I think I also, one of my most memorable moments, um, I was working in America and I was started working down in Miami and, I was absolutely shattered. I'd done city to city to city. And I got into Miami. I got a really nice hotel. I'm on the top floor of this hotel. It's a beautiful balcony. And I was absolutely, completely shattered. And I've got my kilt and all the heavy stuff I carry when I'm on the road, you know. And uh, this is probably the best whiskey I've ever had, I've ever tasted in my life. Mm. I'm about to have it, but I don't know that yet. So I get there and I, I put the, the bags down and <clears throat> I pour myself a large dram. I mean, a seriously large dram, like maybe three shots in one. And uh, shattered and I had been given a good cigar. I can't remember who gave it to me. That doesn't matter. So I stripped off. I'm sitting there in my underpants on the balcony on the top floor in Miami. 
I've got this fantastic drum and I've got a cigar. And I'm sitting there and for a short time, I am the king of the world. And the whiskey's going down very, very well and I'm feeling the effects of it. It's lovely. And this tropical storm comes across at Miami and I'm sitting outside on the balcony in my underpants with a large drum and a cigar. We've all been there. And the rain comes down. Do I go inside? No. I sat there through this thunder and lightning wow. and rain, sipping my dram and the cigar has gone out. It was just like one, probably one of the best drams I ever had in my life, sitting in wet underwear, smoking a damp cigar. <laughs> so strange things happen to you because you're traveling by yourself, you know what I mean? So it's been really, really interesting, but certainly Gomorrah was good, as was Glasgow. I enjoyed being a blender. That was really, really exciting, creating and all that sort of stuff. But to get the, the job at Gomorrah was really, really special. And then the call came from Brooklady, and the rest is history. So it's been a very, very enjoyable 57 years, 58 years in two weeks' time. Um, so I've been very, very fortunate. I'm very, very fortunate with the wife I have because she supported me. She never complained once of my travel, which is really important. If she has said, I can't do this because you're never at home. Uh, so she brought the kids up most of the time. But it was always good coming home to the kids because I would have a case full of presents and all that sort of stuff. And I'm pleased to say that my daughter Lynn is now in the business. She's been great work as well so yeah it's been a good life i have no complaints whatsoever I'm so, very very lucky guy so jim you know you you brought up your daughter and there's a lot of there's a new generation a young generation of distillers and people in the industry like adam hannett and taking the helm in in america and in, in scotland and all over i mean even in new places like wales you have a whole new distillery full of young people this new generation it's, that's coming up, what advice would you give them? I mean, I, that's an open question, but what would, you, what, would you, what would you recommend? What do you want to see from them moving forward? Well, the one thing I don't want to see, and this is the golden rule in the Scotch whiskey industry, and I'm talking about the whole industry, it's the unspoken rule. You never say anything critical about any other distillery or its whiskies. That is the unwritten rule amongst us all. It's not written down. But we are, if you don't like this particular dram, this particular distillery or whatever it may be, you keep that to yourself. You know, it's a great, great thing. It's almost like a family of whiskey distillers. We all appreciate each other and what we do and our style of doing it. You'll never hear a Scottish distiller decrying another distillery in the hope of moving them to their brand. You know what I mean? And it's great. And that still pertains today. And I've been judging with all the top distillers at uh, various competitions every year. And when we get together, it's absolutely fantastic. The guys from the islands, the guys from the space side and so on. And that's the unwritten law. If you've got nothing good to say, say nothing. You don't know everything about that distillery. And I think that's been one of the main strengths of the Scotch whiskey industry. Uh, we all support each other. If you don't particularly like mine, I would recommend such and such, a Klein Leash or I'd recommend a Scapa or something else. Uh, so it's it's tight, the whiskey industry is tight. I know there's a lot of young people coming into it, but they pick up on that vibe. Yeah. It's, it's the unspoken rule. You never speak ill of another one. 
another distillery, and that pertains to this day. It's absolutely great. So we work as a nation. It's a national thing. It's not just, I know we're owned by multinational companies. I thank God for that, because they've invested billions of pounds in this industry, which is really, really good. And because of that, the world now has single malt. They now have the education. The education from these brand ambassadors is fantastic. They're out there doing the job. So the industry is in great shape, really, really great shape. Hey Chasers, Aaron here. I wanted to talk about our sponsor, Wilderness Trail Distillery. If you want a great whiskey without the fake legends and made-up history, try some Wilderness Trail Fine Kentucky Bourbon. It's made by master distiller Shane Baker and fermentation expert Pat Heist, who you've heard on the podcast, at their distillery in Danville, Kentucky. They make a weeded bourbon, a high rye bourbon, and a Kentucky-grown rye whiskey. Wilderness Trail is offered in bottled in bond or cask strength. It's non-chill filtered, and the mash bill is on the side of every bottle, so you know what you're buying. This is real information. Not some magical recipe or who Shane's great-great-grandpa is. I'm telling you, keep an eye out for Wilderness Trail in your favorite store. If you happen to see a barrel pick or special release of Wilderness Trail on the shelf at your store, grab it. It's not going to last long. If you want more information, check them out online at wildernesstraildistillery.com. So, uh, Jim, uh, that's something that we talk about all the time. I mean, me and Bobby and... uh, Katie, Greg, all of I mean, we're we're fans. You know, we're we're whiskey fans. We're not making this stuff, but we're drinking it, and we we've just fallen in love with the culture. And we we've talked to Greg about this. I'm sure Udo can speak to this as well. It's 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 a culture. It's a it's a industry where the culture is just so welcoming to everyone. And I mean, you have your odd folks here or there that, you know, will talk down to somebody else or whatever. But it, by and large, I've never encountered any industry where where everybody is so welcoming. Everybody just says yes. I mean, uh, I mean, to, to us here, you're 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 Jim McEwen. You're up on this pedestal that we've created, you know, that the and it. Oh, yeah. You guys want to have a conversation with me? Sure. And it like to us, we're to, it's like it's like rock star status for folks like you head distillers in the States, wherever. And everyone's just so very welcoming. And I think that speaks to what you were saying back at Boomore, Brooklady, just the 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 sort of the family atmosphere there, how how they you've created a culture within the distillery where it's like a family. And I think that extends to the entire industry. Can can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um particularly when you get when you get together these big competitions where international wine spirit competition and stuff like all the chief blenders would come down and we'd be judging each other's whiskey. It's all blind tasting. You don't know what you've got. You just know it's a space-side malt, 12 years and under. Uh, so you're tasting blind all the time. You're awarding points for gold medals and all that. And it was, at the end of the day, we all get together and have a dram together from all the distilleries, you know, all these guys coming in and we sit and that's when the laughter starts. So that's when the fun starts, you know, and we take the piss out of each other big time. I mean, really, <laughs> as you can imagine, uh, uh, it's really, really good. And uh, the industry, despite, not despite, fortunately, there's many, many good companies now owning these distilleries and they appreciate the value of the consumer, because the consumer is king. And if you don't like my whiskey, 
I can recommend something that might suit your palate. So we always talk about other distilleries as well. And different bottlings, there's so many bottlings out there now, it's almost impossible to keep up with them. But there's still a big audience. And it's all about education, education. And that's what we as brand ambassadors were doing, or distillery managers, was educating, educating all the time. As you must know, Jesus gave it to the world with 12 disciples. Mm, that's yeah. how easy it is if you pick the right team they can do it yeah and he did it with 12 disciples which is quite incredible you know i find it very emotional i get emotional about certain drums i get emotional about certain stories i get very very emotional about many things within the industry and in the last decade it's gone from strength to strength because of guys like you before it was who had the biggest marketing budget got the most promotion but here you are talking to a guy from Bomoa. Uh, so it's really, really good that guys that like you are coming in and spreading the gospel, so to speak. And the great thing is it will go on forever because there's new whiskies coming out all the time. There's new distilleries opening up. There's new new bottling. So it goes on and on and on. And I don't think ever has the whiskies been as good as it has been the last decade. I mean, it's been really, some of the distillations are absolutely, we're getting really, really good at distilling. The barley is of a consistent quality. The equipment is better, you know, and they're using computers now, which is good. We use computers and everything. You guys use computers all the time. So I think the industry is in great shape. And uh, a lot of that goes down to brand ambassadors. These people who go around the world in tastings, teaching, teaching. And then guys like yourself, I mean, you're doing a great job. I'm not saying that to flatter you because I'll probably never see you again. <laughs> uh, that's just the story of life because I'm retiring you guys. This yeah. is the last, yeah. the last call. But it's guys like you who are doing a great job. And <clears throat> Craig and Udo, they are the disciples that spread the gospel. And thank God for them and you. So I thank you for what thank you're doing. We care. We we are emotional. That's why we do this. That's why we built a an entire media platform around it because we believe in it in the film which is epic brilliant brilliant film um you're a movie star i guess now right jim i mean you're pretty no, much are no, you signing no. autographs are you red carpeting are you are you doing the whole thing <laughs> square in the hollywood uh yeah when you put your handprints down in uh in front of the uh, chinese theater but it's it's an amazing film um i haven't read the book yet i don't speak german and i think that's the only way it's out now maybe udo can yeah. work, hopefully get that translated and but i think those media platforms podcast film books that's what helps people buy in and see the passion and love because when you watch these films there's a cool part of you know learning how cooperage is and learning the technology behind distilling but the part that i love the most is the passion is seeing the toast is seeing you know, people's faces when they sip that whiskey from the barrel, from the thief, those are the things that make me want to get into it and, and believe in it and love it. Um, I think that's amazing. I think you said something, one of my favorite things, it's essentially a quote that you have is, you know, Scotch whiskey is the blood of, you know, of, of Scotland. It's, it's, it's in yeah. your veins. It's a part of it. And then you went on to talk about how important the barrel is and that's where the life cup you called new make you know the the child and the barrel the mother and those things mean something and i think that's that's the emphasis of the art and the passion behind it and then again film and media kind of brings that to life and and makes it visual um how was that i mean what was that experience the movie i mean greg's 
probably a great director. I assume a little abusive. I don't know. Um, he seems aggressive, but no, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, he was not aggressive at all. He was very, very good. Um, uh, I kept him uh, happy with giving him constant drums there like, it is. every 45 minutes. <laughs> now I get it. He was it. having another drum, you know. So by the end of play, he was by the end of play, he was a pussycat. He wasn't directing anything. Uh, no, Greg and the team have been great. Some of the camera work on that was just phenomenal using the drones. I mean, these guys came down to Byron Bay in Australia all the way just to take that shot. I mean, that was quite an incredible thing to do. And I do thank you for that, Greg. I have thanked you, but I thank you again. Uh, publicly, what you did was amazing. And we, had, we were on the beach about six o'clock in the morning. And uh, <clears throat> Greg has got the, the drones coming in from the ocean. We're sitting on the beach. You've seen the movie and the drones are coming in. And I'm thinking, I don't believe this. It's 6 a.m. We're in Byron Bay, Australia. I've been filmed by a drone. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a guy from Bumoa who started work with a hole in his shoe. What am I doing here? You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's been, uh, Greg has been phenomenal. Well, that movie, is, everybody that's watched it has loved it, I've got to say. So uh, great director, great camera team. Uh, they bought into the whole program. They virtually let me guide them a little bit of what I, I felt about it. They latched onto that and they improved it. So, and many, many people have enjoyed the movie, which is really, really good. So I uh, do thank you publicly, Greg, for that. That was really good. Well, thank you, yeah. Tim. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the pleasure was all mine and I mean that. And uh, it's, been the, it's been an amazing adventure. Uh, you know, we, I, I, I joke all the time with people that I've stalked you on three continents now. <laughs> um, but uh, follow you around the world. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's been really good. You put them and to you work, guys though. like Udo. You've got the unpaid ambassadors like Udo, whose life, apart from his teaching, and he's a good Christian. I know that for a fact. And it's fine to meet a good Christian who likes alcohol. That's even better <laughs> still. <laughs> And he does enjoy the odd drama too, as I know we've shared it. So I've had a lot of guys like the ones I've just mentioned, Reg and Udo, uh, who have been a huge support to me throughout the whole thing. They've been really, really good because they believe in the story. This is not a Mickey Mouse job. This is a real deal. And they understood the passion and the honesty and the integrity behind this blood of Scotland. They get it. And they put the message out there. So without people like them, it would have been a different story. There's a big difference between a marketing team who are promoting a product. But these two guys in particular have been marketing Scotland and its whiskies, which is huge, huge. And it's people. Because the most important thing is, is people. There's no doubt about that. Particularly in the whiskey industry, we're all very supportive of each other. So, yeah, it's been good. And the movie's been a big success. As far as I know, it's been a big success. Oh, yeah. Everybody else That's what they keep telling you, right? Yeah, they, <laughs> no, it had. No, we did a. We showed it here in Maryland and um, safely during COVID, but we were to capacity, which we were locked because of the capacity because of COVID. But we had an audience that we couldn't. We ran out of tickets. We had to stop people from buying tickets. Wow. Um, cause they just wanted to see the film and be a part of it. And, um, and that was just here. I think it was a global event and it was just everywhere and everyone that's seen it, you know, when the movie ended, there was this silence 
and then the yeah. applause just started. So it, you could feel people emotionally taken back by wow. it, and then they applauded once they once they gathered themselves. It was it's that kind of movie, it's that kind of film, and that's thanks to people like you in the industry, you you know being the forerunner in the film, and then of course you know Greg and his team just putting together something amazing. Absolutely. There, there aren't many films that you go and see that the audience applauds, you know, yeah. the, and that's because there's that separation when you go to see an action yeah. film, a superhero movie, what this is so far away from your, you're even if, even if it's a good story, you're not emotionally invested, but I mean, we were, we were sitting uh, backstage because we were about to come on and do a live podcast recording. Um, after the film, just talking about it. And there was, there was this like silence that you could feel. And then it, everybody wow. just erupted after that. And we were backstage and we felt it. And someone, it was beautiful. Someone in the audience, we did a Q and a, and afterwards we did like a meet and greet with everybody. And someone said it was just a because they all had whiskey in their glass during the film. And somebody said it was just amazing to have, I felt like I was having a glass of whiskey with everyone in that film. Mm. I, meaning they felt like they were there. Wow. They were part of it. And there's again. I'm so that, pleased. <clears throat> I'm really pleased you told me that because I don't hear about that. You know, I'm stuck on the island here, and I don't get a lot of feedback from what it's like out in the big wide world. So, I, I am not at all surprised about the audience reaction because it's got everything. It's got education. It's got sadness. It's got happiness. The whole story is in there. So they've done a great job, and some of the shots. Uh, on camera which is sensational I mean absolutely sensational it's just tremendous so it worked really really well so as I say thanks again to Greg and his team for it. and I got on really well with Greg and his team he's still to buy me a drink he's a miserable fucker <laughs> now you maybe before maybe you, before I die he'll buy me a drink you know but you did put him to work right I, I believe they spent maybe a couple of weeks more give or take actually That's working right. in the distillery i hope they That's sweat right. i hope they we call that a little sweat equity so maybe um maybe they paid a little bit there i don't know he was paid in alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's all he ever wanted. That's all he ever wanted out of the whole. It, it's a oh, long four con. drums a day. Yeah, four <laughs> drums a day. We thought that was a bit expensive. Four drums a day. I was going to give him three, but he demanded four. You know, so yeah. that's the kind of guy. You know, that's not a bad ration. Jim, we're going to let you go in just a minute here, but I I wanted to hear you. you you've been so gracious with your time, and like I said, I mean, uh, it's. Uh, it, it's mind blowing for for us personally as fans, as people that are just love the whiskey community, love everything about it. We've fallen in love with whiskey. P people that aren't whiskey people don't get it until they get it, you know, and then they understand. Okay. Um, one 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 last thing I'd I'd like from from you is if you were if you were to say something to someone just getting started in the, in the industry, whether that's someone trying to open their own distillery or whatever that may be, and they're just feeling just down, just defeated. It's their passion. They want to do it, but they, they're feeling defeated, you know, whether it's, whether it's money things, whether it's they can't get the word out, whether it's they can't get a blend right. What would you say to that person if they truly feel that whiskey is their passion? To motivate, yeah. Yeah, it's quite difficult. As you know, there's been a lot of startup distilleries in the last decade. A lot of new small distilleries have opened and uh, some of them are doing well, but 
The problem is, it's not a problem, it's a good thing in a way. You can only sell it once. You can make a whiskey today, you gotta to wait three years before it's even got a classification as a whiskey. But at three years old, the child cannot walk. You understand? Mm. The whiskey cannot give you all it's got to offer. The cask is so critical. And that time spent, the movement of the spirit in and out of the oak staves in the summertime, it expands, drives into the oak, extracts the tannins, extracts whatever was in the cask before it. And it's just having a patience. So it's really, really difficult because the temptation for young distillers is to run out of money and the temptation is you start to sell your children. You can only sell it once. Wow. And that's a problem. Some people start up with the best intentions, but they just don't have the financial backing to last for 10 years, you know what I mean? And also, um, as I said to you earlier, you can only, you can only sell it once. But... Um, and there's more young whiskies coming on the market, which is good, I suppose, because they're cheaper than that. But, you know, it's pretty much up to individual what you can afford to buy. I mean, most folk would love to buy a 15-year-old, but they can't afford it. But at least at the start of a seven-year-old or something like that, they've got a real chance. So, um, yeah, it's in good shape. I think the main thing has been the work of educated brand ambassadors going out talking about why their whiskey is different. The key thing about brand ambassadors is, and you'll never hear it, and I've said this at the start of this program, if you don't like mine, I can, re I can recommend another one to you. So brand ambassadors are not just working for their own brand, they're quite happy to promote another distillery. If you don't like Brooklady, you might like something else, you know what I mean? Right. So we're in good shape, and it's all about education, and whiskey's a great drink. It's one of these drinks that'll give you courage. For sure. Mm -hmm. When something goes wrong in your life, the first thing you don't you don't go to the medicine cabinet, you reach for a dram. There's something about whiskey that inspires you, gets you back on your feet. As I said to you earlier, I mean, when we bury somebody in Isla, before you leave the churchyard because you're feeling down, you say goodbye to a friend, and we all know each other in this island. The family will come round and hand out glasses of whiskies, glasses of whiskey to all the mourners which is superb. You stand there and you chat to the people who you haven't seen for a long time and you have that large glass of whiskey and you feel uplifted. A lot of the sorrow has been taken away because you have a dram there, you've seen people you haven't, and you're giving thanks to the life of the man that's just passed or the woman, you understand? So uh, it's got a really good... People think about whiskey and alcohol and that. People become alcoholics in all sorts of drinks. Alcohol has never, ever been cheaper, and whiskey has never, ever been so expensive. Mm. It's staying up there. You can't get good, cheap whiskey, that's for sure. There's so much alcohol out there just now that young people can buy. But <clears throat> the future looks very, very bright, thanks to guys like Udo and Greg. They are unpaid ambassadors, and there's hundreds of them around the world, hundreds and hundreds of them, and they just do it because they love been associated with, with it. They love the story. They love the honesty, the integrity. They love Scotland or something about Scotland. People love Scots. I've found that everywhere I've gone. Well, you're from Scotland, you know. And the first thing that comes into mind is whiskey. Yeah. And it's great. It's a great... Um, whiskey's a great ambassador for us as a nation uh, and our people. I think whiskey reflects our personality. We're warm. 
and we're quite gentle as well, you know what I mean? We're not, we're, we, we don't boast about what we do. Um, we're sincere and genuine, and I think that comes through in a whiskey as a true reflection of the people of this nation. This is a tough country, Scotland, you know, and I live in a small island. But it's great, we love each other and we care for each other, and I think there's nothing better than to share a good dram around the world with whoever it is, and they're drinking whiskey, and, and it's just fantastic. Whiskey's been, means so much, but I believe that God gave it to us. He could have given it to anybody in the world. He had a choice of whatever country he gave whiskey to. He gave it to us, the Scots. Why did he do that? He knew that we would love it and cherish it and respect it. That's why we got it. He gave us a rough country, but he gave it, he said, oh God, it's not the the best country in the world is full of heather and mountains and all that. But because I've given you such a tough country, I'm going to give you whiskey. Fair and trade. It's been really, really good. Uh, and it's a very emotional thing as well. You know, whiskey is emotional. It bring, it, it's good for the brain. It brings out the best in people. Sure, some people get fighting drunk. They get fighting drunk in vodka, you know. But there's something about whiskey that just warms the soul and, the eyes get brighter and the wit gets sharper up to a point, you know. So, yeah, it's been, uh, I consider myself probably the luckiest guy in the world that I get into this business at the age of 15 years. And I'm about to leave now after 58 years. You can't stay for 58 years if you don't love it. Absolutely. This has been a love affair between myself and the spirit of Scotland. So uh, I consider myself one of the luckiest guys in the world. We do too, actually. You're uh, you're 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 going to be missed. I, I'll give you Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jim. You know, cheers to you, Slanja, no Slanja, Jim, and thank you. I don't have a dram because I'm yeah. driving. It's so <laughs> yeah, I, see, I see you've got the uh, dram there in front we, of you, which is really really good. So uh, it's been uh, thanks to guys like you, cast chasers. Um, you do a great job for the industry. You, you, it's just amazing because and I can sense it. Even I'm in Scotland, you knew over there. I can sense through the screen your passion because it's in your eyes. Your eyes don't lie. You're trying to lie all day, but I'm looking at you two guys and your eyes are just full of passion for what we're doing today, talking about whiskey, talking about Isla, talking about the whole thing. It's absolutely fantastic what you're doing. Um, we certainly recommend anybody to tune in to you guys because... You really mean it. You are sincere about what you're doing. This is not a, a Tom and Jerry show. This is guys who really love this product and love Scotland, you know what I mean? So I thank you on behalf of the people of Ireland and indeed Scotland and the whiskey producers because without you, we need disciples. As I said to you, the stuff that one guy gave it to the world with 10 disciples. You are the disciples who spread the gospel of single malt. And for that, I am truly grateful to you. So thank you very, very much. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. That means a lot. appreciate that a lot. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Tune in next week for the rest of this conversation where we fold in Greg and Udo and talk about the book and the movie Water of Life. In the meantime, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cask Chasers. You can also join our Facebook group. And don't forget to check out our website, castchasers.org, for show notes, cast chasers swag, and more. And until next time, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram, it's all in the chase.
We're going to bring in Katie, our director, who's been back here. She can't drink because she's pregnant, and um, so that's unfortunate. But uh, as fortunate, yeah. <laughs> God, see, that's unfortunate. What a cock up that was. <laughs> I hope you don't. I hope you don't meet her husband in the next. Uh, 